Welcome in this week's episode. It's Utah's World. I'm uh, Tom Hackett. That's Steve Bartle. Check us out on Twitter, will you? We're, uh, we're not that much fun to follow, but uh, occasionally we have, we have a gem creep in. You can follow Steve at sbartle247. He's much more entertaining than I am. He'll give you actual insight into what's happening in the Utah football Whoa. program. I'm, no, uh, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. Tom is a much more uh, entertaining follow on Twitter on all social media aspects. You know, the the golf videos, the swig investigations. Oh, I need to do that. I'm about that that stuff. Yeah, I need to do. I'm, you reminded me, boy, I'm a forgetful type. I, um, I've, I've got a, I've got a swig right around the corner from my new pad, right? You know, we, my wife and I, we bought a house, first home, very scary, but we're in it and uh, sweating profusely because we bought a home with no central air, which is a mistake. So if anybody out there is looking to buy a home, now's not the time to buy a house with, uh, with no central air. <laughs> that is a big no-no. But we are getting that installed Monday, which is nice. Regardless, we've got to swig around the corner. And I was running an errand. I, I guess I should add that I've been getting up a lot earlier than... I was previously. Uh, so on top of the home, new baby, if you're a listener of this podcast, you're well familiar with, with Bubbles. He's gone on about three and a half, four months. But So I've been getting up at a reasonable hour. And the other day I was running to Marin's. I think I was headed to the grocery store. And it was early. It was like, you know, 8.30, 8 o'clock in the morning. And uh, it, it took, you know, I was on my way home. And by then it was about 9 o'clock. And I, I stopped in the gas station just around the corner from my pad. Um, to get some gas and as I'm filling up with gas I'm sitting in the front seat uh, of my car and I'm looking right right in front of me there's this drive through swig and first of all I was surprised because I realized it was open and it, and it was nine like nine eleven on the dot or something and like yeah and you can go look at the photo I can't remember what the exact time was but it was early and um, I noticed they were open and then I noticed there were three cars deep there were three cars in the line of Swig, and for those that are unaware of Swig, maybe you live out of state, don't have them, I get it. Basically, it's a soda shop, and uh, and from my understanding, Steve, I don't know kind of how you feel about it, if, if you visited these soda shops or not, but you can get like a Mountain Dew, and then they'll add uh, like syrups into it. Um, yep. And and maybe even like a fresh lime, <laughs> believe it or yep. not. They'll squeeze a fresh lime into some of these drinks, you know, which... Mm-hmm. Uh, very enticing, uh, but just give me the coconut syrup, please. Um, have you? I guess have you been to a swig, Steve? Not a swig. I'm Team Fizz. I'm very much on, on the Team Fizz, uh, you know, side of this debate. Uh, you know, Chandler Bing. That's my drink of choice when I'm feeling a little frisky when and it comes to Bing. sodas. A Chandler Bing. Yeah. What, what 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 is in the Chandler Bing? So it. It's, it's Mountain Dew. You can get it either the regular Mountain Dew or a Diet Dew. It's, and then it's got the, the pineapple, orange, and I think coconut, maybe strawberry. It's one of those. Pineapple, orange, and I think it's actually strawberry syrups mixed in there. And you could get those sugar-free too if you'd like. Uh, but I, I typically go the Diet Chandler Bing is what I order. Oh, I just have so many thoughts. Um <laughs> I have so so many thoughts. It's unbelievable. They, like it is. Wild. Now, 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 I I get it. I get it. But you know, truth be told, I haven't had one for you know. I think we're going. It's been quite a while. I think it's been seventeen days. Oh wow! Oh dear! 
Um, right. Now, okay, where do I start? <laughs> so I documented this whole adventure. Right? I took a photo and I made sure there were no license plates involved because I'm not trying to embarrass anybody, you know. I'm sure there are a lot of people out there, men and women, husbands and wives, that sneakily go through fizz and swig on a daily basis and don't want their partner in crime to know about it. So I didn't, didn't want to put anybody on blast, but I said, this is outrageous. You know, Utah is on a different level of wild. You know, it's nine o'clock in the morning and they're just, right. give me that 64 ounce drank, please. And uh, anyway, I received a ton of feedback. Some, some people giving me a hard time, others saying, you know, don't knock it until you've tried it. And that's fair, you know. So I said, you know what, I'm going to do this and I'm about to venture. Maybe this afternoon I'll do it. I'm going to venture down to the swig. And I've, I've been told to order, um, I think it's called the Wildenberry is or cherry or I, I don't know. I can't, I'd have to go back and look, but I have a drink that I'm going to order because that's, that seems to be the most popular. Um, uh-huh. But anyway, that, uh, yeah, that's what you can find on, on my social. I'm, I'm very confused on social network, uh, on, on social platforms. I should say, I, I kind of uh, upload a ton of different things like golf videos and swig conversations and uh, food. I'm a big foodie. So yeah, I'm not a great follow because I'm not all, I'm not all that consistent. Um, <laughs> But that's fine, you know. Don't you don't have to follow me if you don't want. But you can, and it's that Tom can't hack. And again, Steve the Death Battle two four seven. Hey, we have got a fun show for you. Before we get started, we uh, we're going to talk about some updates in which the University of Utah gave uh, to uh, media members just uh, in the later parts of this week um, regarding kind of the 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 reopening of Utah, uh, Utah football and Utah athletic facilities and how that's going to happen and the phases and what happens if a student athlete or coach um, succumbs ill to the virus, the coronavirus, you know, all of that will be answered. We'll talk about it. There is a bit of recruiting news that Steve can touch on as well. And then, Steve, I, 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 we didn't talk about this prior to the show, um, and that's a mistake, but that's okay. Uh, I would love to talk about kind of the, the, the Utah football era post-Kyle Whittingham. Now, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not suggesting that Kyle Whittingham is going to retire anytime soon, and I have no insight to think that that's the case. Although I do believe, and I've said this publicly, I'll say it again, I do think Carl Whittingham will eventually retire somewhere around the age of 65. And he's like 60, 61 right now. So he's still got a number of years left in him. But the conversation surrounding who his predecessor is and what uh, Utah football will look like post-Kyle Whittingham will, uh, will be one that sticks around these airwaves and uh, the local media outlets really for uh, the foreseeable future until Kyle Whittingham does hang up the coaching whistle. But first, uh, Naywade Subaru. Uh, 1207 South Main Street, you know the drill. They're uh, sensational, really good, and they look after their customers. Uh, They've been in business uh, for as long as any Subaru dealership has been in business in North America. And I'm being serious. They are the oldest Subaru dealership in the United States. Uh, They take care of their customers. They have... The, uh, the, the best services department anybody could ever ask for. I'm, I'm not lying. Um, rarely do they have to get parts and pieces from interstate or from other dealerships. They have the majority of them there. And um, go, go take it out. Just, I promise, if you're in the market for a car, Nate Wade Subaru is your venue. There's a reason every second car you see on the road here in Utah is a Subaru. Uh, Steve. How are you, man? I've run out of breath. What do you got for me? Man, I'm I'm doing good, Tom. You know, doing good. Uh, you, it seems like things are trending the right the right way for us, Tom. 
you know, Mark Harlan and the, and the athletic department uh, met with the media members the other, the other day. And sounds like we're, we're getting back to, uh, back to football. It seems like things are definitely trending the right way, which makes me a happy person. I'm, you know, I'm a difficult person without football, you know, in my life. And so, you know, the fact that we're getting back, we're trending the right way, that's encouraging, man. You know, the sun's shining a little brighter for us. No, you're, um, you're not wrong. So uh, to give those that maybe missed this, you can actually check out KSL Sports' Twitter page, which is found at KSL Sports. Uh, we have uploaded, uh, we were given permission, first of all, we're not doing this behind anybody's back, but we were given permission to update and upload, rather, photos of the presentation that was given to media members by uh, Mark Harlan, Utah Athletic Director, his assistant athletic director, Kyle Brennan, the head orthopedic surgeon slash specialist, Dr. Petron, who's been doing it for some time, and, uh, and, then, and then Trevor Lawrence, who is... Uh, Trevor Jameson. Sorry, Trevor Jameson, I do apologize. Not the quarterback from Clemson. Yeah, yes. Not the quarterback from Clemson. I do apologize. I, uh, Trevor <laughs> Jameson is his name. He's been up there on the hill since Rick Majerus's days, and he oversees all of the athletic training uh, protocol and whatnot. Uh, so, uh, so there are some phases, Steve, and we'll talk about it, and that's where we'll start. There are phases for the, the, the teams and athletes to return uh, to, to their respective facilities. We'll start, we'll start first. So not all teams are going to return. Uh, that's worth noting. So, so football, men's basketball, women's basketball, gymnastics, volleyball, and women's soccer will be the only teams that will return on June 15th. Now, let's not forget that the Pac-12 released a document um, with a number of different protocols and regulations, guidelines, what have you, uh, allowing universities to reopen their facilities starting June 15th. So the University of Utah must comply with the Pac-12 document that was released about a week ago now. Uh, so those five teams will return. Now, it's, they're not just going to all return at once, Steve. They're going to break it up. So those, those student-athletes that are in-state, so that have been staying in-state this entire pandemic, this entire extended break, you know, if you have family here, um, you're allowed to return. Maybe you, you don't have family here, but you have a place and you decided to stick around because you didn't want to go home for whatever reason, then, then those guys and girls will be able to return as well. And then on June 22nd, so a week following June 15th, out-of-state, returning student athletes of those five teams will return. Um, that's, that's the first and, and second phase of, of that. And then, um, and then the third phase, I'll just kind of trickle on through them, I guess, would be that all new athletes for the five teams, football, men's basketball, women's basketball, gymnastics, volleyball, and women's soccer. So freshmen, incoming transfers, mm-hmm. they'll be allowed to arrive on June 28th. That's two weeks after the original June 15th deadline. Uh, but that is dependent on housing, of course. So uh, they may not all be able to return. And then what will happen the day after on June 29th, they will reevaluate the first three phases to determine further phases. Uh, but hopefully they're saying, and, and again, all these dates are subject to change. Uh, all all remaining other sports will be able to return hopefully and potentially come July 13th. They will be all in-state guys on the 20th of July, out-of-state student-athletes of all of the other sports will be able to 
to um, to return. Then on 27th of July, all new local athletes will be able to return for the other remaining sports. And then on uh, on August 24th is when all Utah student athletes will officially be able to return. That uh, those that have not been able to return prior to uh, throughout the first six phases. So there are seven phases, and then uh, the seventh phase hopefully will take place on August 24th, Steve. But this is predominantly a football podcast, so we'll uh, we'll focus on the football side of things. And uh, June 15th is the date in-state returning athletes will be able to return. It's a small phase, Steve. It's, it's minor, but it's much required for anything to take place. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, this is the the big first step, right? It's the the first step is always the most difficult, I think, in these kind of situations when you're trying to work through something like this. Um, you know, you want to make sure that everything goes as well as planned, but obviously you understand that that you know it, it's going to take some time to actually get up to speed. And so, I think allowing the in-state students to return, um, you know, first makes a lot of sense, just because you know, the, the availability of returning home, wherever they may be, uh, wherever they may call home, that kind of thing is helpful in this process. And so once they return, you know, they'll be tested for the coronavirus and then be administered a, an antibody test to see if they've had the virus and, and then since recovered. And, and, and then, you know, it's just monitoring that throughout the week, throughout this entire process you know, and, and as we get through that first phase with the in-state students returning, then it'll allow the out-of-state guys. And so uh, it's going to be interesting to see how smoothly all of this, all of this happens and, and transpires. But, you know, obviously it's encouraging to know that we have a plan in place that, you know, and, and again, the, 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 the priority here that everything – that comes first and foremost is the health and safety of the students. And it's, it's good to see that Utah not only has a plan, you know, in terms of dates, but they were so detailed and thorough in terms of what is going to be required of their student athletes in order to not just, you know, return to campus, but to participate in their workouts. They're going to be required, you know, to take tests. They're going to be given appointments, uh, you know, that they can't miss you know, if they want to, if they want to work out. And so they're going to be careful in how they schedule workouts. Uh, Students are going to be able to work out in in one of two facilities, which is good to kind of minimize exposure to other large groups. So they're taking all of these precautions and it's, it's a good sign to see that. Um, And it'll help, you know, as they get through the in-state guys to then gradually progress with the out-of-state guys and then the new freshmen coming in as well. Correct, yeah, and, and let's not, you know, the guidelines and protocols that they've put in place are far stricter than what the local government here in Utah requires, mm-hmm. um, which is, which I personally like. Um, Me I think, too. I think that's, that's good because at the end of the day, um, I, think, I think what the University of Utah Athletic Department is going to face is, is some hiccups along the way. There, there are going to be some issues that, you know, it's inevitable, I, I believe, and so um, they just need to try and navigate their way as smartly um, and as as innovative 
as as they possibly can to uh, to best those hurdles. But uh, no teams are going to be able to to share common areas. You know, like pre pandemic, the the cafeteria and the football facility was used for all different sports and teams and they'd intermingle and football players would be sitting on tables with other student athletes from other teams and that's not going to occur anytime soon and um, again when you arrive you have to have a face mask you have to go through uh, the first arrival anyway you have to do a questionnaire as you mentioned pass a COVID-19 test plus an antibody test uh, and then you'll be received a wristband and from then on out kind of anytime you enter the facility you must be shown the wristband you must have a face covering to show that you um, – oh, and it's worth noting that if, if somebody does test positive eventually, Steve, uh, because this was, this was a, a question I'm sure many Utah football fans, Utah athletic fans in general have, is the student athlete, if they, if they start showing symptoms, they are not allowed to come into the training facility to receive treatment. They must call their, their athletic trainer. They must inform them. From there, you know, they will determine as to whether or not they need they need to get a COVID nineteen test. If they test positive for the virus, then uh, there are a number of different uh, ways that they can kind of handle that. If they're an in state athlete, then they will have an option uh, conversations with the parents uh, or the legal guardian, whoever's in charge, to see if they can stay with them. And if they can't, if they're an out of state guy, then there will be. Uh, housing, I guess, or locations on campus to house those if a student athlete does end up testing positive for the coronavirus. And, and that's kind of my, my biggest concern, you know, is what, what happens if, if somebody does test positive? You know, do we go back to square one? Does everything get shut down again for two weeks? I don't know if the Utah Athletic Department has those answers right now. It's probably going to be a case-by-case basis. Um, but I certainly I would assume, Steve, that if, that if a student athlete who returns on the 15th and has been kind of partaken in these, involunt- in these voluntary workouts uh, and has been around facilities, right, then ends up testing positive, I imagine, you know, that they're going to be forced to go back to, to ground zero, if you will, and, and, and reassess their plan of action. So um, hopefully it doesn't get to that. But I must admit, from an outsider looking in here in the presentation the other day, that was, um, that, that was a concern to me is you know, how are they going to handle that? Because part of me thinks that it's almost inevitable that somebody ends up testing positive. But I sure hope I'm wrong. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, and it seems like at least, you know, we have an outline of – what the plan will be if a student, you know, does test positive. It'll be interesting to see how it actually plays out. But, you know, at the moment, you know, we understand that the player is going to have to quarantine himself for 14 days, just like, you know, we we all had to go through that ourselves when uh, the pandemic first, uh, you know, first started popping up in the United States. We all had to quarantine ourselves. And, and kind of lock ourselves down and students are going to be required to do that. And then they'll, you know, they'll, they'll also have an option of, you know, being tested um, on, on day three and, and day five of their quarantine. And if those tests turn up negative, they'll be allowed to then start returning to workouts and that kind of thing. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see how this all actually plays out. Um, 
but at least we have a plan. We have an idea um, of how it, things are going to happen, how things are, are going to play out. We have a plan, you know, in the event that a, a student athlete does test positive. But again, plans are nice until you actually get out there and, and you know, things start happening. Then we'll see how well, you know, the program, you know, to use a, a football term, how, how well the program executes this plan and, and what they're able to do to mitigate and minimize uh, the, the risk for other student athletes, because I think that's going to be key. And, and like you mentioned, for the out-of-state students, um, you know, with, with living arrangements and that kind of thing, that's going to be really, really interesting to see how, how that's handled. Um, but I, again, this is, it's, it's good that we have a plan and, and all of this, and this, these are all good things, but this is all on paper. And, and, you know, once, once we actually things start to happen, it's, uh, you know, I, I'm with you. I think it's an, it's an inevitability that we see someone maybe test positive or that we see some sort of issue arise. Um, and so, uh, you know, I hope that, you know, Utah, Mark Harlan and, and the entire athletic department, training department and that, you know, they, it, we don't lose our minds and I, I'm not saying that they will. And, and, you know, I know that they would do what's best for the student in all situations, but, um, you know, we've got a plan and, and, you know, it sounds like they, they understand and know what they're doing here. Like I said earlier, Steve, it's, um, and we, we don't need to dwell on this because we've kind of given our listeners the nuts and bolts of what the, the plan indicates, but, um, it's just nice to know that there is progress being made and, yeah. you know, it's, it's such a small start, you know, it's such a small step, but it's a step in the right direction. And I think that's really important for everybody involved, the athletic department, the coaches, trainers, equipment staff, uh, players, you know, and of course the fan base, the fan base is eager. The fan base has been um, stuck at home, much like the rest of the world, for uh, for quite some time. Things are now starting to reopen, but you know there are a lot of people out there that don't feel all that comfortable going to places. I know me personally. I think we had breakfast irrationally at a at a cafe for the first time in however many months. You know, a long, long time. It must have been four four or five months. You know, because of course yeah. we had. We had bubbles three and a half months ago, and that was right before the pandemic hit, and so we weren't doing much yeah. right then. And my point is, you know, Kate and, and I, we're not going out really all that often to the grocery shop. If we need to run to Home Depot for, for, for some repairs on the house or the yard, whatever, we'll do that. But, you know, a Costco run to buy some diapers and some, some baby wipes, but that's really it. So, you know, I, I don't see myself going to the, the movie theater anytime soon. I certainly don't see myself going to Rice Eccles Stadium to watch a football game with no vaccine. So there's a good chance that there will be no fans in stadiums. I think the bottom line is if, if they can look after their student-athletes and everybody else up there on the hill within the athletic department, at least put something on paper and get to a point where they can start playing football games, no fans or not, as long as they do it and in a in a, a a safe and healthy manner, you know, that doesn't put anybody at, at risk, um, then, boy, that'll be massive for, for the entire community, you know, especially September 3rd. And I know Mark Harlan, Tom Holmo down there at BYU, they've publicly said and claimed that they are planning on playing the Holy War, BYU versus Utah, Rice Eccles mm-hmm. Stadium, on September 3rd. What a treat that would be for the fan base. There might not be any tailgating, Steve. There, there, there might not be any fans in the stadium but there will be a product out there on the field for all of us to enjoy from the comforts of our couch. 
it would, uh, I think for four hours, it would really bring the community together and then uh, whatever team won would separate themselves from the other team and let those uh, mourn the loss. But uh, at least for four hours, it'll bring the community together. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's something that we've talked about, how interesting that relationship is going to be and, and what that'll mean for the community of Utah to have that game played, you know, September 3rd, uh, and what it'll mean to the economy here in Utah and that kind of thing to have that game kind of kick things off, you know, for college football here in the state. That would be tremendous to have it, you know, being Utah, BYU, it'll be, and I think this month, this upcoming month of June is going to be instrumental in, in Utah and the Pac-12 and college football in general as programs across the country, you know, begin to welcome back their, their student athletes. You know, this is going to help us uh, learn and better understand how to handle, you know, big group gatherings and these kind of things, what steps we need to take um, to ensure all of our safety. And, and I think this is going to be you know, uh, huge, not just for Utah football and, and college football, but just for, you know, overcoming this pandemic. I hope that, you know, we're able to learn from all of this uh, and, and continue to take the right steps. But this next month, uh, it's, it's a big one for Utah. They're obviously hoping, you know, that they, they capitalize on this opportunity this month and welcoming back student athletes. And so, uh, but yeah, you know, come September 3rd, I hope we're all watching and enjoying the BYU-Utah game. And, uh, and you know, we're all working towards that day and, and hoping that it returns. It's a, it's a big month, Steve, for a number of reasons as I transition this conversation from, uh, from of course, the, the phases the Utah Athletic Department has put in place to, uh, to, to return student-athletes. But... From a recruiting standpoint as well, I, uh, I've been told that, uh, or I saw on social media, I should say, that there's a four-star athlete uh, who's kind of weighing his options between Washington and Utah. You have some insight as to what might occur come commitment date, and I forgot what date that is. Who is, who is this individual, and, uh, and what's he all about, Steve? Yeah, so last night... Uh, four-star athlete Will Latu out of Bethel, Washington, out of Bethel High School in Spanaway, Washington, uh, announced that he would be committing on June 21st, which, of course, is Father's Day. Uh, and and shortly after he tweeted out that he would be announcing June 21st, he also published a little a little video um, saying that it was basically down to Utah and Washington, and and for Utah. This is a big opportunity to pull away a four-star kid from, from, from Washington in their own state. That, that rarely has ever happened, uh, and it's a big opportunity for the Utah program to pull a four-star kid um, you know, out of Washington. And so Will Latu, uh, he's a do-it-all athlete for Bethel, and uh, he plays, he's played running back, he's played receiver, he's played safety, linebacker defensive end he's done just about everything for his high school squad uh, which is why he's labeled an athlete and not a specific um, position Uh, but he is a fantastic athlete overall he's he's a big kid at 6'2 220 pounds uh, but moves really well for his size and Utah's recruiting him primarily as a linebacker 
which is which is big because Utah needs to replenish and, and restock the depth chart at linebacker. And so, you know, this is a, a big deal, not only because you're in the game with the four-star linebacker out of Washington, but you also picked up another commitment last week uh, from three-star linebacker Trey Reynolds, who – while he's a three-star, he's an immediate impact type player. He he has a much higher floor. Maybe no, doesn't have the ceiling, but he's got a much higher floor where he can come in and compete right away. And so, you know, you're you're we're just entering the month of June, and Utah may be able to say that they've got two instant contributors at linebacker in their 2021 class. You know, that's that's a big deal for this Utah program. Um, who, you know, have been notorious for kind of taking their time and being deliberate, you know, in their recruiting efforts, you know, each and every year. Um, you know, four commitments in the month of June, and that may not be it. Uh, that would be a big deal for this Utah program uh, just because you're ahead of schedule a little bit in terms of your recruiting. And not only that, but you've got, tar- you've got commits from very important positions, uh, positions of need and really talented players to fill those positions of need. So, you know, overall, Utah's doing really well in the recruiting trails. It's, it's been kind of slow, kind of quiet compared to other Pac-12 programs, but Utah's doing really, really well on the recruiting trail. It seems like uh, Utah's targeting a specific you know, need or, or multiple needs, and they're going after specific prospects and players that they are fond of, and, and they, seem to be, um, they seem to be resonating with those players and, and poaching them um, – one after the other, Reyes, uh, for, for uh, that four-star athlete who would likely come in and play with linebacker to help fill uh, the void that, uh, that left us last season. And, uh, and who knows, maybe he'll end up playing next to Devin Lloyd in 2020. But, Steve, before we move on, they're, they're, they are, Utah is still in a dead period, right, when it comes to recruiting? Correct, yeah. So uh, the NCAA announced that the the recruiting dead period which has been in effect since you know the pandemic took over um will be extended until july 31st so that's typically time for coaches to get out in july maybe not so much but the spring evaluation period was completely lost coaches weren't able to get out get out on the road players weren't able to visit campuses and, and attend camps and so you know june is typically a month where Programs across the country have camps and invite kids that they're interested in. Some of them, you know, invite local kids and and some are able to invite out-of-state kids that they consider some of their top targets. And Utah is one of those programs that's able to welcome in some of their top targets. Uh, And they won't be able to do that, um, at least not yet. Uh, You know, those camps, as as it stands right now, are lost. Uh, just because the recruiting dead period is camp is is extended through July 31st, it'll be interesting to see if the NCAA is is willing to allow uh, sports new evaluation periods. There was there's talk of basketball um, being able being provided evaluation periods because the summer months are so important for basketball. Maybe not so much football. That's typically spring and fall, but you know basketball is in the works of figuring out dates for evaluation periods. It'll be interesting to see if, if the NCAA allows NCAA allows football programs any sort of additional evaluation time. Uh, but, yeah, as it stands right now, the NCAA extended the dead period, so that means strictly phone calls, text messages, 
uh, just no face-to-face contact. Which makes sense. You know, I, Absolutely. I, um, I feel like if I was a high school athlete being recruited uh, to play football, uh, I, I probably wouldn't feel all that comfortable with uh, Carl Whittingham, Morgan Scally, whoever it may be, uh, just waltz on into the home. And I'm sure the coaches probably don't <laughs> feel all that safe either. So uh, that makes complete and total sense. And uh, for once, I, uh, I, do, I do agree with uh, the NCAA for extending that, which is... Which is uh, strange to say, but uh, hey, I teased this at the start of the show, and I'm, I, I want to get into it with you because I think it's it's fascinating. And we've talked about it on the podcast in the past. You know what what will Utah football look like post Kyle Whittingham? And the only reason I bring this up is because you know I think it's fair to assume that he's on kind of the home stretch. Is is uh, is our beloved friend and uh, legend here in the local community, Kyle Whittingham? He's uh, sixty sixty one years of age. He He's kind of hinted um, at, at, to the media, you know, in public, that, that around the age of 65 is when he'll, he'll start really contemplating hanging up the whistle. So, um, so I guess this conversation, you know, will be, will be going on for, for the foreseeable future. But, uh, and we can, we can kind of discuss who we think is going to take over. And I know we have done that in the past. I think we both agreed that Morgan Scali is probably the most likely candidate to take over uh, I then think uh, Sharif Shaw would, get, would be moved to defensive coordinator and who knows Eric Whittle may, uh, may find a spot uh, at the safeties position um, but I know Weddle at the minute is quite content spending as much time possible with his family before he jumps into the coaching um, career path uh, he's, he's well and truly aware of just how much time and uh, how much of a commitment that is. So he, um, he won't be doing it anytime soon, but, but who knows, maybe if and when Coach Scully takes over, we'll see Eric Weddle's name uh, as a part of uh, the Utah coaching tree. But I, I want to ask, Steve, because I'm, I'm, I'm curious uh, to hear your response. How important is it to you that, that Utah football hires uh, a, a new coach following the Carl Whittingham era within the program? Do you think that, is is pivotal or, or do you think they're gonna they're gonna start looking out of the program potentially bring someone in that's a great question tom you know and i think if you're if you're looking at it like that i i, I think it makes a lot of sense to hire from within and i think with kyle whittingham's timeline uh, in which he's talked about how long he wants to remain head coach at utah uh, you know, he's he's stated that he doesn't want to be a lifer, you know, in college football, that he wants to get out and enjoy time with his family, which makes all the sense. I think that allows you to groom somebody to assume your position, to assume the, the head coaching job as when you move on. And I think, obviously, we've all talked about it, but we all, all expect Morgan Scally to be the guy when Kyle Whittingham hangs him up. Uh, and I think he's being provided an opportunity to kind of grow into that position. And I think he's uh, in a great position where, you know, he's been the defensive coordinator for the last few years. He's improved and, and evolved as a coach, um, you know, as a defensive coordinator uh, within that time frame uh, at an amazing rate uh, where he had one of the top defenses in the country last year. And so it'll be fun to see how, he continues to evolve, you know, I mean, you would have to assume that, you know, in preparation for, you know, potentially taking over the head coaching job that he would assume more responsibilities and, 
and and the type of responsibilities that would be uh, required of a head coach. It'll be interesting to see how he handles that, how he evolves with some of those kind of responsibilities. So, you know, I I think if you're Mark Harlan right now and I, and you're looking down toward you're looking in the future, obviously it makes a lot of sense to hire from within because you've got a guy that is very familiar with the culture at Utah. Utah is a unique place in that um, in the state of Utah in general, and that uh, it may not be a, the most populated in terms of highly talented players um, compared to like Southern California or Texas. You, you bring kids into the program that have a, um, a different mindset. You know, you have to have the right type of mindset to come to Utah and, and find success here because uh, Utah is just a, a unique place. And so I, I think um, if you're, again, if you're Mark Harland looking down, you know, towards the future, Scally makes a lot of sense. But I think, you know, if, if you do want to open it up, you know, who's to say no? But I think Morgan Scally makes a lot of sense here. I, I tend to agree with you. And, um, and, and I think you're right. So, so I've got a few things. I, I'm going to predict that Mark Harlan's not the athletic director when Carl Winningham leaves. Um, and I don't want to get too much detail away, but uh, I just have a feeling he, he, he he's, I, and I don't want to use this word because it's not the right word, but I was going to say, you know, Mark Harlan's using Utah as a stepping stone. That's not the right word. That's not what he's doing. But I, I do think he will get a bigger job than Utah. Um, and believe it or not, Utah fans, I hate to kind of crush your soul here, but there are bigger programs out there than the University of Utah, and I think Mark Harlan is is as good of an athletic director as there is in the country, um, and I've just got a sneaky suspicion he'll he'll be elsewhere, and I, I actually think Kyle Brennan will be the athletic director when Kyle Winningham does uh, end up retiring, um, which doesn't change a ton, to be honest with you. Kyle's been kind of in the wings, waiting his time, uh, waiting his, his, uh, his term, if you will, uh, to, to be the head man up there on the hill in charge of the entire athletic facility. And, um, and I, I think they're going to go with Morgan Scully as, as well, Steve. I think, um, I think that that contract extension that he received towards the end of last year, maybe he received it earlier this year, I forget. But uh, I think that was an indication that, that they're interested in him sticking around and him potentially taking over from Carl Whittingham when he eventually does retire. I, I do know, um, and I have confirmed, that Morgan Scully was receiving head coaching jobs. He was His phone was ringing. And uh, in an effort to keep him here at the U, they extended his contract, which is, uh, which is pretty cool. It just shows kind of how much Morgan Scully means to Utah and... Uh, uh, and it was, of course, a mutual agreement, right? He, they basically, uh, I imagine they told him, this is, these are the rules, this is what we're going to pay you, this is the amount of time. Uh, if, you, if you would like to stick around here in Utah, please, please consider this offer as opposed to going elsewhere. And Morgan Scully is about as Utah man as they, as they come. Mm-hmm. You know, he lives and breathes this program. He's grown up. You've got to think about what Morgan Scully and where he's been in his lifetime. It's only... Utah. So we attended Highland High School just down the road from the U uh, above Sugar House there, literally like maybe 10 minutes, five minutes from the, from the facility 
He went on a mission, so I guess he was gone for two years. He returned, came back to the U, played alongside Eric Weddle, one of his good friends, still is to this day, and jumped right into coaching uh, after a short after a short attempt at uh, playing in the National Football League. So he has been around Utah. He's lived and breathed this program. He grew up prior to attending Highland High School, a Utah fan. And uh, it, it, it would make complete and utter sense to hire uh, Morgan Scali. I will say this, though, because I think it's interesting. I was speaking to my good friend and head coach up there uh, uh, at Weaver State, uh, Jay Hill, who I'm sure many of our listeners are familiar with. If you not Google him, you'll learn about it, uh, about him. And he was telling me that, Taking over as head coach with no head coaching experience, it just takes time. You know, there's a, there's a period where you just have to figure it out. And, um, and it's not, you know, it's not always perfect. It's just different than being an assistant coach and being in charge of a specific group of players, you know, whether it be the linebackers, the entire defense is defensive coordinator. Being a head coach is just different than, than that. And there is an adjustment that, that, that will take place if Morgan Scali is given the head coaching role. Fortunately, fortunately, uh, as you mentioned earlier, he, um, he hopefully will be groomed to take over the, the position. And, uh, and who knows, maybe, maybe by the time uh, Coach Carl Whittingham is just about to hang out the whistle, it's, it's basically Morgan Scali's team. You know, that's, that's one way you could, you could go about it. You know, the final year of Carl Whittingham, he could basically say, hey, I'm handing the reins over to Morgan Scully, uh, to kind of prep him to, uh, to be the head coach. I, I don't know if that will eventuate. Um, I, I kind of, knowing Coach Winningham, I don't think that'll, that'll happen. He, uh, <laughs> he likes to be in control um, of, of the situation. But, but there are certain ways that you can go about it, and it'll be, it'll be fascinating. Uh, I will say this, Steve, um, if they do go with Morgan Scully, my, my only concern, um, my only concern would be that for, for Utah to take the next step, right, the next leap in the college football realm, they, they've got to get better offensively. They, they just don't have an option. Um, they, and the last couple of years, I think they've taken a step. They've been good. But they, they are still dominant, more so than the offense on the defensive side of the ball. And, and you just have to look at the NFL draft picks. You know, Zach Moss was the only offensive player of the seven that that were drafted or eight or however many there were I, I apologize I can't remember but he was the only one uh the rest were all on the defensive side of the ball so so Utah needs to find and I'm not saying that they need to bring in an offensive minded head coach for them to take the leap I I, I think Andy Ludwig is more than capable of de- of developing talent good enough to play at the next level but there's no question in my mind that for Utah to take the next step, they need to be better offensively. I think they can match toe-to-toe with the best in the, in the country from a defensive standpoint. I'm adamant that, that they are and have been that consistent defensively. But I still think, Steve, they're a fair ways away from, from competing you know, with the Clemsons, Alabamas, Ohio States, um, of the world from an offensive standpoint. I don't, I don't know how that changes. Uh, I, think, I think time fixes that, and I think they're on the right track. But, um, but that, that would be my only concern, and it's kind of barely a concern. But, you know, they do need to get better. Would you agree? I do, and that's interesting that you bring up and you make that point. I was listening to another podcast 
um, which is part of our 24-7 Sports Network, uh, the Barton and Bud podcast. And they talked actually about Clemson, the rise of Clemson. Uh, and there were – and I'm not comparing Utah to Clemson. I, you know, I'm not making that, that comparison. Uh, but there were just some similarities in, in terms that we hear a lot with Utah, culture, uh, the right kind of guy, our kind of guy. Uh, and, you know, finding a quarterback um, to basically level up. And I think that there are some – if you go back and you look at the history of Clemson and their rise, you know, over the decade – um, it's amazing how far they've come, first of all, because for the longest time, they were the laughing stock of college football. We all remember the term Clemsoning, and we're, we're all familiar. We should be familiar, and if you're not, Clemsoning is basically you're, you're shooting yourself in the foot. Is basically what that is saying, right? You're, you're, you're losing in key moments. Um, just the worst things that can happen to you outside of just being dreadful. Uh, but being good enough and, and still failing, that type of thing. So the, their rise all revolved around just improving the talent, but still maintaining a strong family culture, um, but capitalizing on quarterbacks that they recruited that maybe were outside of their reach, you know, where they were at as a program at the time that they recruited him. And, and you look at where Utah is at right now. They've always recruited, you know, the right type of culture kids. They've got a strong culture in the program. And now you're starting to see the quarterbacks and the type of talent that they're bringing in. You're talking about a former four-star in Jake Bentley. You're talking about another former four-star that committed the year before in, in Cameron Rising. And now you're talking about Peter Costelli, who's part of the 2021 class. You know, you're starting to see Utah take those. They won't ever take a gigantic leap in recruiting because, you know, again, as I've as I've alluded to previously in in, in the episode, there's there's just a, a unique vibe about Utah. You got to be the right type of kid to come to Utah and find success. And I think where Utah is at, they're they're gradually improving. You know, in terms of the talent that they're bringing into the program, but I think. Above all else, they need to maintain their culture and the type of kids that they bring in because that will allow them to remain true to who they are while addressing some of their weaknesses. Um, and, you, again, I, I come back to recruiting all the time, but you are starting to see them in the game not only with higher-rated kids but more higher-rated kids than they've ever been before. The fact that they have another four-star quarterback commit already in this class after, you know, the last couple of years and what's happened, you know, at quarterback recruiting at Utah, you know, Jack Tuttle, the Jaden Daniels saga, all that kind of stuff. The fact that they have a four-star quarterback coming into the program, you know, behind Jake Bentley and Cameron, that's a big deal. And then you're recruiting well elsewhere, you know, the program. And, and, and so long story short, I do think that they're, uh, they're trending upwards, and I, I do think that they understand in order to make that next leap, they've got to do it on the offensive side of the ball. We, uh, we don't have time for this next topic of conversation, but it would be a good teaser for our, uh, for our beloved listeners uh, to tune in for next week because it just had me, had me thinking. You mentioned how demanding the Utah football program is, and, and I can confirm those reports. I was part <laughs> of it for four years. It was not at all uh, – it, it wasn't all fun, you know, at certain points throughout – my four years but it is challenging it it's demanding it requires 
uh, your utmost attention at all times. Um, and, and, and it's similar because, you know, I think the, the, basketball co- the basketball team up there on the hill is similar. Yeah, it's not the same, but Coach Larry Kristoviak, he runs quite a tight program, quite a tight ship, and, and demands a lot of his players. And what I find so fascinating, and again, we can get into this next week, Steve, is Kyle Whittingham hasn't had much of an issue when it comes to maintain, maintaining his players. You know, should, There are going to be transfers every now and again, uh, but it doesn't happen a ton uh, under Kyle Whittingham. But boy, Larry Kristoviak cannot seem to keep a solid group of of young men, you know, a young roster that, that seems so promising. He just can't seem to find a way to keep them within the program. And, and maybe it's exaggerated a, a little bit because, you know, a basketball team consists of 15 or so players. A football team's like 120. So, you know, it's, it's kind of rare uh, when, when, a Utah, when a Utah football player transfers, you know, unless they're like, they're like a really big name. It, it kind of just goes under the radar. Nobody really knows about it. Whereas on the bar, on the basketball side of things, even if you don't play a ton, but you get a few minutes here or there, and then you transfer, kind of kind of like Booth got. You know, he spent a, a large portion of last season on the bench in uh, in a pretty poor uh, shooting streak. You know, there was a while throughout the season where he just could not make a bucket to save himself. So he was kind of in and out of the rotation at times. And and of course, when he announces a transfer, it's it's all over the place because, you know, he's right. only one of 15. Um, so anyway, we can talk more in depth about that next week. I do find it interesting uh, and worth a, a conversation. Hey, we can't get done with this episode without letting our, um, our listeners know, Steve. Can you please, I, and I don't know if this is true, you know, because it, it just seems too good to be true, but I saw rumors, I saw rumblings on social media of some sort of Ute Zone VIP promotion that you guys are Yeah. Doing? What are you guys is this true? Yeah, so yeah, so the rumors are true there Tom. We are running a promotion right now where you can get 12 months of, you know, VIP membership at Zone where you can, you know, we have our, our VIP boards where you can ask me questions whenever you want about whatever you want. Uh you can ask you know, our national analyst questions. You get all the VIP content that's behind the paywall. You get all that content. You get a, a membership for an entire year. It's only 27 bucks right now to sign up. So that's barely barely more than $2 a month for the entire year. So $27. I don't even think it's it comes to 27 I think it actually, what you pay is like twenty six eighty five or something like that total. Hmm. So you you pay that and you get a full year membership at Ute Zone, um, and obviously I would be greatly uh, appreciative of all of our listeners that do sign up. And if you do, please message me as you figure out the board. Please message me and let me know you know that you've signed up, and and you know I'll make sure to uh, to to say hello, obviously. And we always do that with new promos that we've got going. We do a little welcome and that kind of thing. So we always like to take care of our new members. Uh, we've got a great community there at Ute Zone, uh, so definitely come check us out. Come sign up, uh, and and Tom, I appreciate you mentioning that. No, no, of course. So just to kind of put that in perspective, by the way, Ute Zone 
dot com is is where you go to uh, to sign up. Steve, if I'm wrong, please please correct me. No, you're right. Youthzone dot com. Good, and uh, so that's seventy five percent off. Uh, yeah. regular price. You guys have deals and promotions going on, you know, all the time. It feels like, but this is as good of a promotion as I have ever seen. So twenty seven bucks. So again, I went to the to the to the grocery store earlier today to buy my wife a. Just you know, a bag of chips. You know, she's she's a chip addict, yeah. and uh, and somehow I left the grocery store and I spent thirty one bucks. So uh, for less than a bag of chips, essentially, and I don't even know what else I bought, but uh, but I bought but I bought other things apparently. And uh, anyway, this is <laughs> less than that, which is which is quite wild. I think like a Netflix monthly membership right now. It's right there. Yeah, it's like right at twenty bucks. Um, Anyway, you know, yeah. the content's just as good, you know, if you're a Utah addict. Um, hey, we like our friends. In fact, we love our friends at Nate Wade Subaru. And, and they wanna, they, they, they've informed me that they want to let you guys know that uh, what they're really focusing on, what they have been focusing on for their entire existence is just customer service. So, you know, the, just the thought of buying a car, Steve, can cause a lot of stress to people. And I get it. There are some slippery car salesmen out there that won't that won't tell you everything you need to know about the industry and potentially rip you off a vehicle. That that is so far from the truth when it comes to Nate Wade Subaru. Those guys are laid back. They are they are really mellow and uh, and they just want you to be happy. They want you to be calm. They want you to be informed. They want you to know everything that you need to know when it comes to the car buying experience. So just do yourself a favor. More importantly, don't do me a favor. Don't even do Nate Wade a favor. Just do yourself a favor and head on down to Nate Wade Subaru located just outside of downtown Salt Lake City and, and just say good day. You know, if anything, we talk about it on the show. They've got, they've got free popcorn that you can get down there. They've got a drinks fridge. Uh, I'm sure it's all been sanitized a million times a day, so you'll be safe. But uh, we, uh, we sure appreciate those guys sponsoring the show. Steve, um, Enjoy the weekend. The first weekend that you would have spent in, in your new apartment with, of course, the Mrs. Kendra. Yes, that's correct. Ooh. You know, we are down here, Fort Union. We just moved in last week over Memorial Day weekend. Maybe not the brightest idea, but we're in here. We're settled. Uh, we're enjoying ourselves. Uh, you know, it's good to be down here in Salt Lake Valley that, and, uh, and just enjoying everything around. It's, it's great. It, you know, I... I, I had to, to drive up to Utah campus just to make sure, you know, that it was real. And, you know, it took me 12 minutes, which is great compared to the 35, 40 minutes it was taking me before that, driving from Davis County. You know, so that's, that was great. Uh, but for you, Tom, you know, always good to see you and, and the family. You guys are, look like you're, you're holding up well, you know, and, and hopefully, you know, you have a good weekend this week. Get out, hit the range a little bit. Maybe maybe nine, maybe eighteen holes, whatever you may do this weekend. You know, best of luck this weekend with with all your endeavors. Dan, no, I um I appreciate that a lot. I've got I've got eighteen coming up tomorrow, which I'll need all the help I can get. Hey, have you? Uh, hey, lastly, of course, have you have you christened the apartment with a with a nice, cold, refreshing bottle of uh, of Martinelli's yet? No, not yet. No, that's a thing. Well, like I normally it's champagne, right? You pop a bottle okay, of champagne. Okay. But, yeah, but this yeah. is this is KSL, Steve. Yeah, this is KSL. 
we don't do those things round here. So instead, <laughs> we uh, we pop Martinelli's. In, Martinelli's. Uh, yeah, and if you don't, have you ever had Martinelli's? You've had Martinelli's. I've had Martinelli's. Yeah, you're a U-turn. You get what Martinelli's is. If you don't yeah. want to go Martinelli's, though, there is a recipe you can use. I've just found it online titled The Mormon Champagne. And, uh, and all you need is, uh, is like a one-liter uh, or a two-liter bottle of uh, grapefruit-flavored soda. So Fresca would, uh, would comply. And you need some, some white grape juice, like a 64-ounce bottle of white grape juice, Mix the the two together. Throw it in uh, in in a in a champagne glass or a punch glass. Maybe even add, Steve. You can add a strawberry just to uh, Ooh. you know just to lighten the mood a bit, and uh, and away we go. But now you got to christen the apartment, Steve. We got to now. It's it's a must now. I'm gonna head to the store. I'm gonna get me some uh, some Martinelli's for sure. Yeah, throw that bad boy in the freezer just to fasten up the cooling process and. Way we go, five mm. o'clock hits, and we're rolling. Mm. Uh, right, okay, it's been a pleasure, as it always has been. We'll be back <laughs> next week with another episode of It's Utah's World. I'm Tom Hackett, that's Steve Bartle. Be well, stay safe, wash your hands, and uh, try not to get sunburnt over the weekend. Goodbye. <laughs>